Welcome to The Courage Effect. I'm Suzanne Weller, and this is a show about growth and unleashing what's possible. You will hear inspiring stories about what courage looks like, how we navigate what's getting in our way, and the opportunities that surface when we choose courage over comfort. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome. This is Suzanne, and I am so thrilled to have you listening to The Courage Effect. So today is another solo show. It's going to be with just yours truly. And I really wanted to spend some time thinking about what are we afraid of? That's a huge question. And that's one of the questions that I think is really core to everything that we really talk about here at The Courage Effect. Because when you talk about courage and how we step into it, how we muster it and do things in our lives that go out of our comfort zone, it really does require a conversation about fear. What are the things that we are afraid will happen? And I've really been struck recently by the idea of the courage to learn, the courage to think about what are the things that we have, the beliefs that we have that are deep-seated, and how can we potentially pressure test some of those deeply held ideas and potentially unlearn things because we all know that there are certain things that, you know, when we learn something, that's a wonderful thing overall, but not everything we learn is good. And especially when we talk about habits or we talk about ideas that aren't very productive and aren't helping us, or sometimes we have these deep seated beliefs or ideas overall that have come to us that are working against us. And one of the things that I really do as a coach is work with clients about limiting beliefs. And we all have these. We've all been through our lives where we've had different patterns, different stories, different influences or imprints. And it's given us the idea of something that we can or can't do. And as we go through our lives, that really changes over time. So there's certain things that, you know, as kids, we we, we might be more fearless when it comes to taking some risks. And as adults, we get a little bit more cautious. Um, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe if you were tended to be, you know, a scaredy cat of a kid, maybe there were moments where you really weren't happy and going outside of your comfort zone. Maybe that's a strength that you've built over the course of your life. But when we talk about courage, I really think that learning is an important topic because I don't think it's one that we really consider on a regular basis. So I'd love to spend a little bit of time today talking with you about moments where I have had some unlearning or maybe when I have, you know, had that opportunity to rethink some of the beliefs in my world. One story that really comes up for me, and this has been pretty significant throughout my life was when I was probably about 12 years old and I was, I grew up in Southern California. I was in my bedroom. Um, I think I was drawing at the time. Maybe I was cutting out some articles or pictures from Rolling Stone magazine to put on my wall. And I remember my dad came in and we were having a conversation and somehow it got to the topic of religion. I mean, I don't, I don't remember how we got there, but my dad said to me, you know, I, I want you to know that I don't believe in God. And that shocked me because we were in a family. It was my parents and my sister and I, and my parents took us to all these different churches. I mean, it was sort of, you know, they wanted us to be exposed to different 
structures, different ideas, different thought beliefs. Um, and it was really interesting to go and to explore all of these different churches, different religions, and to be able to make that choice for ourselves. But during that whole process, even though there were times where I had decided to go to a church for a while, um, and I went on my own, maybe I went with my sister, but it was very interesting that I never really thought about my parents' religion. What were their beliefs and what were they anchoring themselves to, or what were they attaching themselves to? And in that conversation with my dad, when he shared it, I remember just being, being pretty taken aback. And my response to him was, you know, wow, that, that means that you're going to hell. And my dad's response back to me was, well, if you believe in hell, that was a mind blowing moment for me. I can't even tell you, I remember it. <laughs> I remember looking at my bedroom wall and literally having my brain open up. It changed the way that I perceived the world. It gave me a chance to take a step back and really think about what is true and what were the things in my life, my 12 year old brain that I had established as my truths and my beliefs that maybe maybe I needed to take a step back and, and think a little bit more about it because my dad was this intelligent person that I had so much respect and love for. And he was challenging my entire thought process. And to a certain extent, my belief system um, of existence, especially when you're talking about religion. So I share that story with you because to this day, I remember that pretty frequently. It's one where I sit and when, when I tend to get in a groove of a believer and I get really staunchly firm about something, I take a step back and I literally ask myself the question, is that true? How do I know? What are the things that are telling me if this is true? And I think when we get into those moments of being really stern and being really firm in our beliefs, that's not to say that all of those are bad. There are certain things that I truly believe in when it comes to integrity and when it comes to honoring people. But there is also a time when it might be getting in my way. It might be something that I need to spend a little bit of time investigating. So how do we potentially bring more curiosity into our lives? And as adults, I do think that it takes courage to learn and to unlearn, to ask, what are the things that I'm thinking right now? What is potentially something that I might wanna analyze and pressure test? When we also come to different organizations, that can be a challenge as well, because we come to different groups or organizations with different belief systems, especially within corporate America, where it isn't necessarily intentional, but we tend to fall into line. We get into that system, we're in those systemic forces, and we, we go along with what we're told to do. And that's one of the things that makes us successful, right? That's one of the things that we like, okay, this is what I need to do. I'm doing it well. I'm going to keep going. Sometimes we question it, not always, but it's important for us to at least have those moments of wondering why we are doing something. And as leaders of organizations, it's also important for us to share with our broader teams that why, what is the big why? Why are we here? And what are the things that we, you know, what, what is driving us at the end of the day? And how do we know what success looks like as well? It's truly important that we cultivate organizations where we have learning cultures. So the courage to learn does not just happen at an individual level, but it happens within an organization. 
yes, we have to start with ourselves, you know, improve ourselves because if we really want to make bigger change in the world, we have to start with ourselves first. Then we cascade more broadly. And when we do that, we're at the same time, potentially creating more psychological safety. I know we hear this phrase quite a bit. It's really important for us to give people the space to be able to raise their voices, to be able to share what's happening and to really speak up. I find that in a lot of organizations, we get to the point of really proving that credibility. And this can potentially get harder for us as we get more senior in life overall, but also in organizations. We tend to look at ourselves as experts and in certain areas we are undoubtedly. However, how might our expertise be getting in our way of learning new things? Those are the moments where I think that I know what I need to know. Okay, that's great. It doesn't mean that I know everything. And I'm comfortable with not knowing everything because honestly, that's kind of boring. I mean, the idea of, of being an expert and having nothing new to learn, to me, that sounds really stagnant and it sounds just uninspiring. So I'm trying to create for myself, if I think that I, I know something quite well, what's something else that I can do to maybe test it? How do I potentially bring more humility in? If I think, oh, I know this, I don't need to, I don't need to go back and find out more information. Maybe I do. Maybe I need to bring a little bit more curiosity into, into an experience, especially when I feel like I'm the expert. Because in my head, if there's a dialogue going on, some sort of narrative around me being right, that to me is the that's the aha moment. That is the that's that wakes me up to. Why do I feel like I need to be right? And it's interesting because the more that I've thought about this over the past few years, I actually find myself having conversations with people where when we're going back and forth on topics and they'll say, you know, you're right. And I almost bristle at that. I don't want to be right. I want to have ideas out in the world, but I've gotten to the point now where it's to me, it's not that black or white. It's not the idea of knowing what should happen, what shouldn't happen. Yes, there are scenarios where there's definitely a right answer and a wrong answer. But I am trying, the older that I get, the more I'm trying to unhook from the need to be right. We tend to do this quite a bit in organizations, especially, and in companies. The challenge here is that because we're proving that credibility and because we want to be right, we might start keeping score. And a lot of organizations do that. So it's it becomes about proving ourselves rather than improving ourselves. So my question for all of you is, how might you bring a little bit more humility into your world? How might you want to learn and keep learning and be comfortable with what you don't know? More and more, I am embracing, um, I am a perfectionist. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I just want to say that. More and more, I am embracing imperfections. I want to make my perfections more and more, sorry, I want to make my imperfections more visible. That, that's something that I keep reminding myself of. I have to be comfortable with my own imperfections. So as I go into not knowing something, I love learning new things, but at the same time, how am I looking at the imperfections that I have now and saying, those are okay. And where I think I might be perfect, I don't really think I am in any areas, but if there's something that I'm feeling very right about, 
how do I start to question that? So I hope that this isn't too circular of a conversation, but the big takeaway here is how do we improve ourselves without proving ourselves? Because I do believe that we tend to get in our own way when we are not learning new things or when we are not potentially questioning what we know now. And then in turn, how do we give other people the opportunity to speak their minds as well and give them the chance to question us, not just to go into a conversation and have it be our way or the highway. All right, let's take a break. We will come back. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about feedback and regrets. Always a big topic when we're talking about courage. So this is Suzanne Weller. You're listening to The Courage Effect. We will be right back. Hey everybody, it's Suzanne from The Courage Effect. As the seasons changed, I poked into my closet and discovered how stale my wardrobe had become. Everything felt boring and I wanted something different and fresh. I grabbed my laptop and remembered armoire. Why not clothing rental? I could experiment with new styles from jeans to something fancy without spending a ton of money and buying clothes I would only wear a handful of times. Armoire makes clothing rental easy. Build the perfect seasonal wardrobe with brands that are unique, sustainably sourced, and owned by women. All you have to do is take the style quiz, select items from your personalized closet, and they will ship them straight to your door. Armoire allows me to indulge in high quality designer clothing with no guilt. They promote sustainability with fewer items ending up in the donation bag and landfill, and no dry cleaning fees. Trust me, your cramped closet and the environment will thank you. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, you must try Armoire. And right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style. That's A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash the courage effect to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Talk radio that will get you thinking. Alternative Talk 1150. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Courage Effect. This is Suzanne Weller. And the conversation today is a conversation with myself. So I'm here to talk to you about the larger theme of what are you afraid of or what are we afraid of? And I am looking at this through the lens of the courage to learn. I do see us as getting so comfortable sometimes in our thoughts that we aren't really challenging what we know and we're not going outside of ourselves enough to learn new things. And when I was when I started this conversation, I was really spending some time talking about being a kid and having my dad challenging my thought processes. And that's one of the things that I've tried to continue doing in my life, but I have not always been great at doing it. And let's face it, all of us are the same way. And I have really tried to look at myself as being okay with being imperfect. For those of you that are perfectionists out there, it is a hard place to be. It is an exhausting and a stressful place to be because there's, it's sometimes it's about you, but it can also be about the work that you do. When is good enough? 
as opposed to perfect, because we all know that perfection ultimately does not exist. And that was one of the things that has gotten in my way over my life when it comes to feedback. And I've, I've, I'm a quite a hard worker. I put a lot of work into creating a quality product and really making sure that what I'm spending my time doing is bringing value to my clients, to my partners, to my colleagues. And I also feel the same thing about my, my family and my friends overall. I want to make sure that I'm contributing in some way. The challenge there is that I can maybe over-index on that. I can go too far where I'm just trying too hard to be fixing things that aren't necessarily mine to fix. And this is something that has happened to me recently. Last year, I had a friend who was going through a very challenging time and I was immediately trying to help her. She's a dear friend of mine. This is somebody that I love. And one of the things that I realized, thanks to my husband, was it wasn't just about me providing my friend with support, but me going into a place of fixing things for her. I do have a tendency of being a fixer too. So I have the the double whammy of the perfectionist and the fixer. Um, maybe some of you wear both of those outs too. But it's it's a matter of, you know, when we really think about wanting to support somebody, what does help look like? And help is not does not mean that I fix it. And it does not mean that I necessarily have all of the answers, nor are my answers the best for somebody else. And this is one of the things that I have spent quite a bit of time with in my coaching. When I am coaching my clients, it's not about me advising them and giving them an answer or a solution. It's me working with them throughout inquiry to ensure that we're having conversations so they can come up with the best solution for themselves. So I'm helping to guide them there. However, as a human being, I will potentially fall into those areas when it's with people in my life, people that I love, people in my family and friends. Because when we have that emotional attachment, we want so badly for somebody to be okay. And when we have an idea of what okay should be, that's when some challenge comes in. So as I was having a conversation with my husband about, you know, what are the things that I could do to help my friend or what were the things that I thought that she should do during this challenging part of her life with ending a relationship and with, with changing and moving. And he said to me, you know, this is not your problem to fix. Such a basic statement, such a powerful statement similar to what my dad said to me when I was younger. And a, a, a statement that actually comes from caring about somebody and from loving them to have, be challenging in that moment. That allowed me to look inside of myself and to think, okay, I need to unlearn my need to fix things. I need to learn new ways of being able to help people and support them in my life. And it's not going to be my answer for someone. So how do I unhook from their outcome? And how do I unhook from you know the outcome that I think is best? That is a hard thing, letting go. And it's the whole idea of, it's the courage to let go. And that's another thing that I would say we don't think about enough is what courage do you need to actually step into to let something go, to to let it pass through you or to leave it behind. That might become 
harder, the older that you get, it might become something that because we're set in our ways and we have certain ideas and maybe certain things or certain people, certain patterns have been in our lives for a long time. So it can feel like losing in a, you know, at losing an appendage, losing an arm and, or something that is just near and dear to us. If we are bringing that change into our lives. So if we take some time to realize what is the true value of something, I mean, you know, knowledge or people or relationships, these are things that might be important in our life, but are you still getting value from them? Are you still in a place where they're, they're of service to you or might they potentially be working against you? And that's one of the things that I also needed to learn with my friend. I needed to let go of my need to fix her and fix her situation. So I was still there supporting her, but it was more about listening. It was more about what does she need and asking her those questions rather than me assuming what she needed. So I don't know if we necessarily think about learning and unlearning as maybe something along those lines with a personal relationship, but every day there is an opportunity to learn or to potentially unlearn something. If there are habits or behaviors that I fall into that are working against me, that are like perfectionism, exhausting to a point where spending too many hours might be affecting relationships in my life, might have me, you know, not even with client work. It might be something where I'm spending so much time that I'm actually minimizing my return on investment at the end of the day because I'm putting so much work into something that is already good enough. It's already high quality. There are those moments of, you know, reminding myself, and that's a hard thing. How do I, how do I start to put some structures in place, some practices where I can pause and I can ask myself, do I keep going? What's, you know, is this good enough? And also is this, am I feeling comfortable with, with where it is going? Do I need to shift gears at the same time? I tend to ask myself a number of questions. One of them is that beautiful question that my husband asked me, is this my problem to solve? So I ask myself that quite a bit of time when I'm in any conversations um, with clients, family, um, friends, anyone, because I don't want to stick my nose where it shouldn't be. And I also don't want to use up my energy in ways that aren't most valuable for me. But how do I make sure that I am putting my energy in the best place? How do I make sure that I am looking back to what I've learned in the past and looking back to what I'm learning moving forward? How is this going to help me? How is this potentially not going to help me? Because learning something new is great, but maybe at the same time, I need to let go of a thought pattern or an idea that I have in the past. These are challenges. These are challenges for us to actually think about where might there be truths in our life. And that's a, there are certain truths that I know and that I feel very good about, but they are my truths. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be other people's truths. And this is where we get into that whole idea of there's no one single truth. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to bleed this because this is the really, this is the, or drain this. This is a really um, hard topic. I mean, very meta in that way of, you know, how many truths are there in the world? But how do I know it's true? And asking myself those questions in a way where I can still be curious about something and not going so deep where I'm overanalyzing everything to death that I have to, I, I'm overthinking. And that's another thing that I would encourage all of you to be thinking about is, are there moments where you might be falling into rumination? And rumination is when we are going over and over on a thought in a non-productive way. 
a lot of the time we do this with ourselves when we're doubting ourselves. If we have fierce inner critics, we go, we play over a scenario over and over ruminating, oh God, I could have done that differently. Um, there's always a way that we can, that we can potentially be working against ourselves when we're not just reflecting on what happened, but if we're falling into rumination. So that's another thing when we are actually going back and doing that investigation, it's almost like being an anthropologist into our own thinking. How can we do it in a way that is kind to ourselves, that is curious and that is, you know, enough how do we know that we've spent enough time on something and when we're ready to let go? There's no one single answer to that. And that's one of the things that I'm always, you know, I, I want to investigate my thinking, but I don't want to do it to such an extent where all that I am doing is stewing over thoughts. So courage in thinking, courage in rethinking, these are all very important things, not just for ourselves, but for other people. And if we start to do this with our own thinking, when we start to investigate our own thought patterns, how might we invite other people to do the same for us? This is in our lives. This is in our, you know, in at work, at, in any relationship that we have. What are the things that you might be able to ask of other people to challenge your thinking, to invite in other opinions, or to ask people to, to give you a different idea, a different perspective, or to ask them to even poke holes in something that you have put out there. I always think that's a wonderful thing to build trust with other people. It shows that you are okay with putting your ideas out there as an offering and seeing what people bring back to you. I always say that, you know, nothing is ever worse. No product or anything that I've ever created is worse for me having asked for feedback. I firmly believe that even if it's feedback that I don't do anything on that I don't action on, at least I have that. And it's something else that I have in my larger thought process. So I encourage you to think about how might you learn something new and what are the different areas in your life where maybe rethinking can open up some new possibility, open up a new way of thinking, open up a new relationship with somebody or just a new conversation that maybe you hadn't thought about in the past. So as I wrap up today's show, I'd love to go back to the initial question that I asked, which was, what are we afraid of? And again, fear exists in our lives. Different fears manifest in various ways at different points in our lives, and that's okay. But what we want to think about is how do we live with fear? We don't want it to necessarily limit what we're able to do. So this is obviously where courage comes in. And I'm curious for all of you, where might you be more courageous in what you're able to learn? Are there new areas, new thoughts, new ideas, new experiences that will give you something new in your world and open you up to new possibilities? And at the same time, might there be some thoughts or relationships or beliefs overall that might be potentially getting in your way? Some things that maybe you want to spend a little bit of time investigating and maybe think about unlearning. At the end of the day, so much of this is really ultimately about regret. I don't want to look back and think about my beliefs or my ideas having gotten in the way of me doing what I really wanted to do in my life or being in the way of a relationship or prevented me from truly living the life that I want to live. So as you go back into the world after you listen to the show today, I would love for you to maybe think a little bit about what are the beliefs in your life that maybe you can pressure test? How do you know what's true? 
where are you maybe assuming some things or maybe you're inferring some sort of truth? Where might you be able to bring in more curiosity? So thank you all so much for listening today. For more information about me, Suzanne Weller, or the show, please check out our website at thecourageeffect.com. And if you have thoughts or questions for future shows, or you just want to give some ideas, there is a contact form there, and I would love to hear from you. So again, this is The Courage Effect. Thank you so much for listening. Stay courageous and keep learning. <laughs>